Before we get into the episode, we'd just like to mention that due to the current global pandemic, we are conducting some of our discussions with guests on online mediums and therefore there might be some inconsistencies in audio quality in the conversations. Thank you so much for your understanding. Please note that the topics, issues and areas discussed in this podcast may cause distress to some listeners, as well as the possible use of bad language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to Addressing the Elephant, the Mental Health Podcast. My name is Rachel and I am your host. Thank you as always for coming and joining us and having a space and a conversation and helping us normalize the space to have conversations about mental health. I am conscious that I did that intro very, very quickly, but two things. One, let's be real, I do the same introduction every single episode, more or less. And two, I am very excited for today's um, episode on the podcast because currently I am recording a series of episodes with Sexual Health West. And Sexual Health West are a sexual health educational and advocacy and support organization based in the West of Ireland. So I'm delighted to be joined um, by them for the next few weeks, talking about all things sex and how it impacts on our mental health. So similarly to last week's episode with Megan, this conversation was a little too long to have as one episode. So again, I have split it into two parts. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And here we go. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Lorraine O'Connell. Lorraine is a sexual health educator with Sexual Health West. Lorraine, hello. How are you? Hello, Rachel. How are you? I am delighted to be here and thanks so much for asking me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I suppose instead of me trying to uh, throw all of you are into like a quick summary, can you summarize for yourself who you are, what you do, um, Mm -hmm. all that sort of jazz? Okay, so I am the Wiser Sexual Health Education Coordinator. So Wiser is our West of Ireland sexuality education resource. So it's basically like the education department of Sexual Health West. So um, I hate to think about how long, I think that's a very strong word, but I just to think of how long I've been with the organisation and talking about sexual health with young people, but I think it's been about 13 years, Rachel. So um, I'm there a long time. I love it. I absolutely mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoy the job. Uh, the main bulk of my work would be talking to young kids in primary school. We'll say sixth class. We've got a program called A Little Wiser. And then we move on to secondary school. So we have a program for junior cycle students. And then we also have a program for senior cycle. So that would be two of our wiser workshops that they are their programs, actually. So they'd see us about three to six times. So then it works out really well. We actually get to know them. I've had situations where... I've met people in primary school and then meet them in secondary school and they're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, Lorraine, you're going to talk to us about sex. This is great. So it's like really, yeah, the work is so good and I think so important. And I think if we all kind of have it just to think about how we even were taught relationships and sexuality education in school, you know, the amount of stories that people have about I got nothing, I got this. I spoke to my friends and got so much misinformation. So I suppose Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do or what we're doing is giving really good non-judgmental factual information about sexual health and relationships mm-hmm. and I suppose it's really important to have that good factual information as a young person when you're learning and discovering who you are what's going on as a as a basis for you know growing into a, a functioning adult I, I'm not going to say you're not going to grow into a functioning adult without it but I know 
I, I remember my sexual health education in school mm-hmm. and we were just thrown in front of a video and here's here's like 10 videos, watch them all and off you go on your merry way. And also I'm conscious that when I did it now, this was Jeannie Macker 2006, I think mm-hmm. I would have been in third year, second year, third year, something like that. But I remember there was no LGBTQ plus uh, education side of it as well. Uh, is that included? This is a, a personal um, uh, question. <laughs> is oh that included in what you do also? Absolutely. And it's so important. And this is where when they did research, we'll say over the last number of years that young people were saying it's so not included and we don't get any information. And for any young LGBT plus person, they're sitting there and all they hear about generally would be heterosexual relationships. So Mm -hmm. we have totally changed the way we'd even present of just being as inclusive as possible. And then we just have to make sure everybody's okay. And sometimes, you know, when we're talking about bodily functions and, you know, between, I suppose, for reproduction and if there's a penis and a vagina involved, you know, we're always saying, but in any relationship, this is, you know, this is just about reproduction. So we're going to talk about sperm and eggs. But if people are having fulfilling sexual relationships, regardless mm-hmm. of sexual orientation or gender identity, this all this stuff about relationships is really important and the exact same for everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely changing, Rachel, thank goodness. So I suppose, yeah, like I end up meeting young people as well on the street going, we remember you from school when we were, and, and it's great because you're kind of going, yes, this is actually, mm-hmm. you know, something that is working and they're learning and getting good information. Um, so, yeah, so it's interesting. I've kind of gone full circle at this point, as in I end up talking to young people all the time about mm-hmm. their sexual health and then conversations then with my friends, which often goes from talking to them about what's going on with their kids. So some of them would be a little bit older than me and would have kids who were a lot older than mine. Um, so obviously lots of conversations come up about pornography, about sexuality, all of this. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we started talking about ourselves, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as you have to. You need to. As you have to. As you have to. Um, and I was having just, and I suppose this is when we were talking about what we would talk about during the podcast. I was going, definitely I want to talk about women and sex when we're older and what's going on with their bodies. And the main thing that was coming up for me was thinking that I was going through the menopause. And uh, I was doing this course, actually. I I was talking to women on the course and I was going, I'm definitely going through the menopause. And they all people kept saying to me is, do you have a period? And I was like, yes. And they're going, you're not going through the menopause. And I was like, okay, I am definitely having these symptoms that I'm reading about and looking at. Mm-hmm. And then when but I- But you don't started, fit this little box. So. I don't fit this little box. I wasn't <laughs> fitting this box. And when I actually Googled, and this was a number of years ago, the menopause, the menopause itself is actually where you have 12 months without a period. So 12 mm-hmm. months in a row, you do not have a period. There is no bleeding. You are now- We'll just say menopausal you are in the menopause it's a state I suppose really of things so when I started doing a bit more research myself I discovered there's the perimenopause Rachel okay. um so when I looked at that I was like that's me I've got all these things going on and I went to my doctor and she's fabulous and I was going Siobhan what is the story here I think that this is what I am and she was going to rank what age you so at the time I would have been 44 and she went of course you are you are penny perimenopausal. And I was like, phew, thank goodness. This is mm-hmm. not just me with all these symptoms thinking that I'm going through the menopause. There's this whole other thing, Rachel, that happens to us, which is called the perimenopause. So this can happen eight years before you actually would okay. start missing those 12 months of um, 
periods. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know it would be that uh, far in advance. I was like, oh, maybe it'll be like a year or two. Eight years. It can vary. But this is it. I suppose like everything, when we think about, you know, anything that happens to us just from our period to what I'm now talking about, the perimenopause, it varies hugely. So again, mm-hmm. I suppose it's not. So it can, you know, they're saying that it could be eight years before you actually get your mini menopause, your perimenopause. <laughs> Or um, it could be four years, it could be a year. So mm-hmm. it just means you could have these symptoms, which is good, which mm-hmm. is really good to know. Um, and when I was looking at kind of the average age, apparently the average age for Irish women um, would be 51 to be to be in the menopause, to actually okay. have the 12 months. So that, so then the whole thing of the 43, 44 for me kind of fitted, mm-hmm. like it, it, that's what was going on. Mm-hmm. And does this then? I'm like, does that last for eight years? All genie mackers. I'm like, I know when my hormones are out of whack uh, once a month, I'm just like, oh god. And I'm like, eight years worth of feeling some sort of way. <laughs> but this is it, and this is the thing. Like, it is all these feelings that really, you know, when I was looking at your mental health then and the menopause, and I was going, oh my goodness, because I was definitely feeling effects that were very much psychological and I was trying to break them down of how this was happening and it would list all these symptoms of just fatigue mood swings and I think the major thing that's going on is our estrogen levels it's going back to hormones so Mm -hmm. it's our estrogen levels that are depleting and they do so much for us and they can actually end up I suppose interacting with chemicals in our brains then because the estrogen levels are dropping and cause all of these, I suppose, if you want to say side effects of fatigue, of mood swings, of irritability. And it was interesting because when I spoke to some of my friends, they were going, yes, all of this is going on. And some people would end up going to the doctors with like very, you know, it indicated that there was depression going on. Yeah. And in some cases that was actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and people would need to be prescribed antidepressants. And it's worked really, really well for some mm-hmm. people that I've spoken to. In other cases, it's kind of just recognizing what it is and realizing, okay, this is normal. I am not going mad and I'm not using that word flippantly. It's just, you know, that you would feel very much there's something else going on. Um, And also, I suppose, yeah, being able to talk about it, Rachel, that seems to be the main thing that people need to talk about it to support each other, I suppose, as women or anybody that you can talk to about it. But also, I suppose that the main thing from the little bit of research I've done and again you know I'm no expert in the field at all but a main and for most women the main um, side effect is insomnia and just lack of sleep so you can only imagine that so this morning I woke up at half four Rachel maybe it's because I was doing the podcast and I was literally <laughs> lying in bed at half four going dum de dum dum you know really tired but going I'm not getting up until seven o'clock you know so my alarm went off at seven and I was still just kind of making myself wake in bed but this is kind of a regular occurrence and I always put it down to you know I did have two little people when I was 41 and all the stuff that was going on I was kind of going this is because I've had you know two little people at 41 and I am tired and sleep deprivation but like I go to bed really 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 tired um and yeah it's a constant it's never like a decent night's sleep so Mm -hmm. I think with everything I looked at so many women had the same symptoms and it was the most one that affected them was the lack of sleep and yeah. then you can only imagine how psychologically that would affect yeah them. and like even if I don't sleep enough I'd be cranky like so imagine like having insomnia as well as like hormone changes and everything else that's going on yeah and- oh absolutely 
And just one thought, I, I don't know whether you know this or whether it's something you came across when you were looking into it, is you were referring to uh, that some people went to the doctor and they would have saw, seen mm-hmm. that they needed antidepressants for it um, or that just identifying that it was perimenopause or the menopause. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. you know or do you feel that um, there is much uh, acknowledgement around this or like is it either okay well if you're not perimenopausal you're depressed or is there much scope that people have had this kind of discussion I, do, I don't know if I'm phrasing this question right so I don't well, know if no, you understand what I'm trying to say I absolutely do know what you're what you're trying to say that again just the information isn't out there and it's yeah. not necessarily acknowledged and I think it, it's funny because just even talking to colleagues as well as friends you know, we were saying we don't really talk about it. And even when I was looking at the research, just the main thing as well was even from doctors, not their perspectives, but from women going to doctors that even depending on their doctor, they may not have a huge amount of information or recognize it or Mm -hmm. recognize it for what it is, that this Mm -hmm. could be perimenopausal symptoms that may not need, people may not need to be prescribed with antidepressants. Now, again, I don't know enough, um, Mm -hmm. I suppose information about that and I can't actually say oh yeah people are being prescribed antidepressants and they don't need them I think mm-hmm. in some cases they absolutely do and it's very it's you know it, it is needed and required but it's just actually knowing I had one situation or a conversation with a friend that was very interesting and I was going oh my goodness and she ended up going to a psychotherapist mm-hmm. seriously feeling that there were there was huge issues like she had situations where she was just going you know, just stuff that really was getting to her and really felt like there was something going on and she needed to talk to somebody. So she went to a couple of sessions and then she kind of started doing research herself and she was going, oh my goodness, I am just, this is all these signs of being perimenopausal. They're all here. And she actually went back to her psychotherapist and went, I think this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I don't really think that there's anything else going on. And I don't think that, you know, and not in any way saying, you know, saying anything against psychotherapy. Oh my goodness, I'd be like, yes, psychotherapy. But it was just that she recognized what it was herself. And mm-hmm. then there was stuff that was being kind of delved into in her past, but she was going, no, all that's dealt with, you know, and realized mm-hmm. this is what was happening. And mm-hmm. I think we don't, we don't, I suppose, it's not out there enough about the symptoms that we can mm-hmm. have and that people aren't talking about it as much. And I certainly wasn't. But then once I did and started speaking to my friends and colleagues, everybody's going, yes, that's going on as well. And thank goodness we 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 can chat about it. And mm-hmm. I have really lovely friends that I can talk to, but I'm sure in some situations and coupled with all the other stuff that's going on, Rachel, as well, mm-hmm. you know, and especially now in the middle of what's happening Global with COVID pandemic, people yeah. working from home and mm-hmm. all of that and everything is exasperated. And, you know, so I think it's just good kind of just thinking about what age you are sometimes Um. And just going, yeah, this could be happening. Go to your doctor, mention it just to go. Hopefully they will go, yes, this could be going on. But also where initially I was going, I need a blood test. Please give mm-hmm. me a blood test and this will sort it out and we will know that this is happening. And in fairness to my own doctor, who is great, she was going around, listen, we could do a blood test and you could have estrogen levels that are really high and you'd still have really you know, strong symptoms of the perimenopause. Or you could have estrogen levels that are really low and you may not have any symptoms. So Mm -hmm. they fluctuate so much during this time as well that it wouldn't give you a true reading. So, again, I think it's just to recognize it, to be able to try and, I suppose, sort it out in some ways yourself in the sense that, you know, if you're having a really bad night's sleep and this could be, you know, you can apply this to any of us for any reason as well of just 
you know, thinking about what you're even eating. If it's hot and spicy food before you go to bed, it might be great. If we're drinking lots of caffeine again to reduce that, mm-hmm. I suppose definitely with like one thing that happens is these kind of hot People call them hot flushes and hot flashes, but like basically it's night sweats. Try to get and them because of my medication. So well, this is it, you know, and what can you do about that? Like open a window if you can and just don't wear, I suppose, yeah, pajamas that are really hot and that are going to make you sweat But I suppose there more. are a lot of reasons. Like, so for example, I have said on this podcast before and I have no problem saying to you, um, mm-hmm. I am on antidepressant medication. And yeah, when I first went yeah. on them, I was sweating like a good thing every night. And I was like, I have never sweat this much when I'm sleeping in my life. And I was only sleeping with a small blanket. And then I was like, yeah. what in the world's going on? I was like, I'm going to look at these these side effects for these uh, this medication. And there you go. It's like sweating, <laughs> uh, so, uh, night sweating and stuff. I'm like, that's what it is. So imagine like if you're going through, you know, the, the perimenopause or the menopause and you're also on antidepressants mm-hmm. and that itself would kind of... Uh, Throw your head like is this Whack. the hot flushes yeah. or am I just sweating <laughs> yeah but this is it it's just like there's so many things and you know I was looking at support groups then as well and apparently there's this I love the name it was called like the wellness warrior and I was like yes she sounds great but there are support groups out there and just even to read the website you know so mm-hmm. it's this woman Catherine O'Keefe and I again spoke to some friends that had gone to her workshop and they sound amazing. So I'm definitely going to look her up and see, can I get this lovely woman to go with Rachel at some point? And again, it was just to be in a room with all these other women who were talking about it, but then just doing some lovely yoga and some mm-hmm. doing, doing some, you know, kind of organized relaxation. Because I think, you know, again, for every single one of us, when we talk about, you know, how linked everything is between our mental health and our mm-hmm. sexual health and our physical health and the whole lot and, and what we need to do. And often it can be just very simple stuff and we don't do it um you know because we don't have the time Rachel constantly oh no, this stuff about but time, time we to answer the work emails when we shouldn't be doing it so of course we have of we course to, we have especially now that we're working from home I'm sitting there going I should really be doing emails and I'm like I've done my hours for this week what am I talking about exactly. don't need to do and we can't we constantly seem to check in now and even at times where this is it it's out of your office hours you don't need to do it but I think we yeah there's no divide anymore is there and it's kind of like you know, I've had these, com- it's so funny. I've had actually talking about this. I was talking to my lovely man. I was going, I'm going to do this podcast and it's going to be about the perimenopause. And he was like, oh my goodness, honestly, are you talking about the perimenopause or the menopause now again? And I was like, yes, yeah. I am. And he was going, um, you know, I don't really know what it means. And I was going, I constantly come out with this stuff. I could be down in the kitchen giving out about something. And my lovely man would go, that's kind of slightly irrational. And I go, it's the perimenopause. But I've never explained to him. I've never actually mm-hmm. sat down and said, feeling slightly irrational. And I have just flipped out because you've left butter on the knife. This is what's happening. And I'm not sleeping at night. And this is why I'm irritable. And we need to do that as well. We you know, there's no do. point for whatever reason, no matter what's going on with us, that we just, you know, end up kind of losing it a little bit. And I think, you know, we can allow that every now and again if there's truly a good reason for it but often I sit back and go no and I think it's that pausing for a moment if we Mm -hmm. can possibly do it knowing that we're going to maybe lose it a little bit and then go but what am I losing it about that's just Mm -hmm. silly so I should just try even walk out of the room I've walked Mm -hmm. out of the room and it's worked Rachel it's worked for me I've just left and gone okay deep breath and then go back in again and gone okay now sometimes there is the satisfaction of being a bitch I'm just saying that sometimes we react in a, in, a, in a different way. And mm. you know what? Don't beat ourselves up about it. It's fine. <laughs> you laugh about it true. in a while. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And often it's the people that's closest to us as well, Rachel, isn't it? You know, so absolutely. like your friend who was your really good friend or like your partner. 
Um, you know, sometimes your kids, which then maybe that's not fair because they're only, you know, they're little, so they don't understand mm-hmm. what's going on. I can't really explain to them yet that I'm going through the perimenopause. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they might just be, we have no idea what that word, we can't even pronounce that word. Can't even spell it. Nope, not at all. Can't even spell it. Don't even, can't even spell full stop. Um, but you know what, Rachel, as well, it's funny because I was just actually looking at, um, I was just thinking about what we do in schools as well and that we, d- we do mention the menopause, you know, mm-hmm. so we do go through when we're talking about periods and we're talking about reproduction and we're talking about all of that, that, you know, this is something that happens at the end. But then I was just thinking, not at the end. Oh, my God, it's so not the end, but yeah. just the end of our reproductive years, we will mm-hmm. say. And it's just it's, it's really interesting what I've noticed, which has changed. And I think it's so good to be questioning it as well. But just because, you know, we've got ovaries and we produce eggs and just mm-hmm. because, you know, you know, somebody else who has a penis and they produce sperm that we, you know, want to actually have babies in the first place, you know, Mm -hmm. and I know for lots of people when they kind of hit the menopause and know that this is basically their body is telling them they are not going to be able to get pregnant. They are, you know, there's often people talk about kind of grieving that Mm -hmm. whole thing of not being able to have a baby. But I've had so many young women and within our classes kind of going, but sure, does everybody want to have the baby? And we're going, no. They absolutely do not. Some people are seriously considering maybe not or just actually questioning, Mm -hmm. you know, is it something just because you're a woman that this is something you have to do? And like years ago, I know speaking to my mother and like she was only, I think, 19 when she had me. Um, And my dad, you know, was a few years older than her. And there was no question, like there was no question of her having a choice of Mm -hmm. whether to have babies or not. She said she just felt. Now, it's not that she... um, felt she was pressured that much yeah. but she just felt you know, it was just kind of the expected thing to do it was kind of the expected thing to do and I think now that we can question it um mm-hmm. but also when you were talking about sexuality and sexual orientation I had this lovely conversation with my two there were four at the time Rachel and we were coming home from play school actually I think there were only three um and they were kind of yapping away and they were going you know we have a family and I said yes we do and they said, and your mummy and your Lorraine. And I was like, yeah. And they said, daddy and his name and Jen, they're twins and their brother and sister. And then they're going, and they're all different types of families. And then they had their friend who had two mummies and their other friend who had two daddies. And I was going, yeah, there's all different types of families. And I was mm. going, how lovely that they will never grow up thinking this is just the way it is, that mm-hmm. this is how people have families in so many different ways. So again, just around you know, within the school sessions, we'd always talk about obviously people can adopt, you know, the surrogacy mm-hmm. in other countries. People, if they have issues, can have IVF or you can just decide that you do not want to have children. And that is you know, your because right. and that is your right as a young man or a young woman or whatever type of relationship you're in, because, you know, it's not an easy path, Rachel. <laughs> uh, but going back yeah, to just talking about the whole, I suppose it's such a, I don't know, just the circle of going through as a young woman maybe thinking before you've had your period this is something I really want to have because other people in the class have it Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you get it and it's like oh my goodness this is the worst thing ever why would I ever want to have my back oh my god (laughs) and it's like we go through this torture of and it's not for some people it's absolutely not unfortunately Mm -hmm. though what I've read as well if you've had really bad menstrual cycle symptoms when you're Mm -hmm. younger often the menopausal and the perimenopausal ones can kind of be like that as well so uh, I was reading stuff about warning to anyone there that has bad yeah. has bad periods at the moment oh yeah wait until you get the perimenopause, <laughs> menopause. 
but again I suppose it's just thinking about yeah it's like PMS but like it's constant but mm-hmm. without anything else going on but I suppose the amazing thing is looking at like I was looking at loads of like natural kind of um remedies that mm-hmm. you can look at as well and just simple things like drinking nice herbal tea 45 minutes before you go to bed to help I suppose induce a little bit of sleep so like valerian and passion fruit tea whichever um you know floats your boat and I think some people obviously do not like herbal tea at all but again I suppose it's just looking at stuff that you can do just for a little bit of relaxation before you go to bed mm-hmm. a little bit of light reading whatever you can do to just try and induce but don't um, be on the phone because the blue light will keep you awake and so uh that is where I'm going to cut this episode um as I said the second part of this conversation is available now just click on to the next episode and continue listening to this conversation um as always if you want to get involved with any conversations do reach out to us on social media we are at thegreenelephant.ie on Facebook and Instagram and greenelephantmh on Twitter still not twitting very much uh but I'm trying so yeah we'll catch on the next episode Address the elephant in the room. Your mental health matters.